This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to this Joy 94.9 podcast. We want to hear from you. It's time for our listener survey. So head to the Joy website and let us know what you love about the station and your presenters. Maybe you'd like to share your thoughts on Joy's program production team, the volunteers behind Joy Podcasts. The results of this survey will assist us in continuing to be the best possible station we can be. Head to joy.org.au and have your say. Joy 94.9, your voice, your radio station. Good afternoon, Melbourne. Thank you, Pete, from Cravings. That was a sensational intro. You are in the escape pod on Joy 94.9. I'm Joe Pryor, and in the studio we've got Andre, who I believe was here last week from doing his Taste of Radio Hello, class. everybody. So welcome, graduate you, of Taste of Radio. <laughs> now, what's been happening in your week, Andre? What have you done in terms of travel? In terms of travel, just travelling from work. <laughs> oh, come on. You've got to make it a bit more exciting than that. You've got all of Melbourne listening. <laughs> that was unfortunately it. I um, was planning to go to the theatre, but I didn't. It was just, it was one of those crazy weeks. I promise I will go somewhere much more exciting and have a story for you next week. <laughs> That's good. Even if it's one of those travel dreams, we don't mind. Yes, I was going to talk about all things, um, islands, all the islands that I visited in my travels oh. uh, with Russ, but uh, we'll keep that up our sleeve for next week. We might, we might even yes. save that for, for later in the hour. Not a problem. You just never know. And I have to put my hand up and say, well, I, I've been travelling. I've moved out of 3121 for a couple of weeks, which is a bit exciting. Gibson and I have been over in St Kilda West discovering what it's like to live beachside. Nice. So we're one block from the beach and we're one block from Fitzroy Street. So that means I've got the sound of the surf in one ear and I've got multiple sounds coming in the other ear. <laughs> and all those beautiful cake shops, more importantly. Uh, that's Ackland Street, yeah. That's not too far away. Um, that's, that would be a brisk walk for Gibson and I there to get to, to Ackland Street. And we've had a few trips into the um, amazing new uh, Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Centre. So, my goodness, it's a very swish and swanky building, I have to say. Wow. It does look stunning on the, on the uh, inside and on the outside. Um, but this afternoon in the Escape Pod, we have got a very special guest, as as always. And I, um, just following on from last week's theme, we have got um, councillor, and I should say mayor, Claude Allen. Claude, welcome to the Escape Pod. Thank you. Now, please tell us what's going on in terms of the connection with the Lyric Opera, because you're the chairman of the Lyric Opera Company, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Now, how old is the Lyric Opera Company? Uh, it's, it's probably started around about 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, and the impetus for it? And then I, There's always I, something. Every opera company in Melbourne is born of fire and brimstone. So what happened 15 years ago to create the Lyric Opera? Well, it, it was actually run by a, a fellow called Rob Scanlon, and he eventually ran out of money, and he asked me if I would... Uh, come and work with a company and try to resurrect it. So I did that. He left me straight away, uh, 
Right. And so for the last 10 years... I've been the chairman, I've been running the opera company and raising all the funds. Oh, my goodness. Now, is this in addition to also running a gallery? Yes, yes, my right. Aboriginal art gallery. So how many hats do you wear at the moment? Quite a lot. That's what I believe uh, one should do in life. Civic duty? Uh, no, not just civic duty. I mean, I, I also believe you should give back to your community. So that's what really interests me about local government. Not only that. It gives you really wonderful creative opportunities to do something in your own community and very different from state or federal politics. It's very <laughs> grassroots, isn't it? Very much so. But, you know, I've, I've had so much pleasure in being able to create things, particularly in the arts. Uh, Stonington now has the most wonderful summer program that uh, includes opera, musical theatre, orchestral and jazz right through January, February. We have all sorts of other big events uh, happening during the year. Now, if I was in state or federal politics, if I was in government, I might be able to do something. But if I'm sitting on the backbench, there's nothing I can do. So local government gives you that real opportunity to do something that will change people's lives. It does. We may not get all of our travel expenses paid for by Chinese companies, but we can certainly <laughs> give back and do things. <laughs> now, um, your love of opera, has that, has that been a lifelong passion? Uh, more or less. My parents were great opera buffs. And, of course, when I was young, uh, I not rejected so long all ago, of that. Just rejected yesterday. it all and said... Dad, could you please turn off that horrible noise? <laughs> now I see that in my grandchildren. They're saying the same thing to me. But eventually uh, I, I learned to love opera, and it is a great passion of mine. I have two passions in life. One is opera, and the other is football. Oh, goodness. And here I was thinking the second one might have been travel. We'll <laughs> see if we can get travel in there somewhere. Um, so the production that's that's on... Um, in a couple of weeks, Our Man in Havana. How did that come together? Because this is not a normal opera production. No, well, we have uh, very specific areas that we like to work in, and that is we like to help emerging young artists who would not normally get a role in any of the professional companies. So, And also, now we're also employing uh, mid-term singers who may have actually sung with Opera Australia or Vic Opera, but for one reason or another are not anymore getting roles with those companies. You know, opera is very political. So um, political. And you never know why people are employed or not employed. We're not a political company. We just do it purely on talent. And I love it. And we produce operas that are rarely performed or have not been performed at all. We don't want to use the mainstream opera. We've got all the other companies in Melbourne doing that. We want to be totally different from them. And so far, that's worked very well for us. It's a great niche to have. That we don't get big audiences because people don't know the operas and don't think they should come. But on the other hand, they should. Because A, the cost is much less than any of the other opera companies. Uh, and B, a lot of the operas are more suitable for people who have not been to an opera beforehand. Yes, they've got a really lovely, relaxed atmosphere. Yes. That's what I like about them. And I'm certainly looking forward to going along to the performance on the 24th of September, which I think is Thank the last you. one, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'm dragging a couple of friends along. So I think it's the last performance, yeah, the 24th. on the 24th of September. Yes. It opens on the 17th of September. Right, so don't leave it until the 24th. Um, check your diary and, and, and book now. And it's um, bookings are through um, Ticketek, is that? Uh, at try. Right, try booking. Oh, no, Ticketek, Ticketek. sorry, Ticketek. Uh, Indeed. And so they can also book through the Fringe Festival. Yes, of course, it's part of the Fringe Festival. Yes. Um, well, um, we're still waiting to find out how you chose Our Man in Havana. Well, Were you thinking of Graham Greene or what? No, no. Last year we chose another opera by an Australian composer called Stella. Oh, yes. And Stella had only been performed once before and that was a great success. And we keep on looking for other Australian operas that we think the public should hear. And Malcolm Williamson's uh, Man in Havana is a fascinating story. It's uh, very dark in, in many respects, but it, it, it verges on the opera, operator, musical theatre aspect. When people come in to see this, they'll be sitting at ta- tables, cabaret style. Oh, uh, sweet. And, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. And we're asking people to dress up in Cuban gear if, if they oh, wish. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So we'll have a bit of variety in the audience as well. Um, and I think we're running a competition either for the best costume or the best hat. I've forgotten which. Oh, dear. And Russ is away this week. One of week. those things. He would, have, he would have had the best feather boa. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll all be in a Cuban-style nightclub enjoying it and seeing a man with a a vacuum cleaner doing all sorts of interesting things. So it's kind of like the Casa del Musica comes to uh, the Athenaeum. <laughs> yes. Now, Malcolm right. Williamson, the composer, a very interesting fellow, in that he also wrote a ball- ballet music called The Display, uh, which Robert Helpman choreographed. Right. And a lot of people will remember The Display. It was extremely popular. I know the Australian Ballet performed it a number of times, Maybe not so much in recent years, but the score is absolutely beautiful and Man and Vanna has that same kind of illustrious score, if I can put it that way. Oh, excellent. Now, Andre, has it tickled your fancy? It has absolutely tickled my fancy. I like anything and all things Havana and I think I'm not... Um, I'm not... I, I won't say I'm not an opera fan. I do like opera. I'm probably not that opera cultured yet um, this is a perfect one to come <laughs> <laughs> um, and from from listening to what you're saying Claude it seems to me well, when I heard the word operetta is am, am I hearing that it might be um, more like the Andrew Lloyd Webber type things or am I not completely no, it's off a, it's target? a bit stronger than that a bit stronger yes, okay but all right I mean it is it is opera but it's also, there, there are lots of light moments in it because it's a comedy, despite the fact I said it was a very dark plot. See, I think that that will really appeal to me because most of the operas that I have seen, I saw um, Lalamu the other day, and that is particularly dark and gloomy. And I, and I guess in most operas, somebody tragically dies at the end and it... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> from from Tosca to Macbeth. There, mu- there must them. be a fantastic death scene. Is there a death scene in Our Man in Havana? Does well, somebody die in the end or can't you give well, it away? Well, I have to tell you, I have not seen it yet myself. I haven't even had the time to go to a rehearsal. So I'm not so aware of, of what happens at the end, but 
I believe it's very dramatic. It certainly appeals to me, and um, I have booked a trip to Havana for next year, June, so I am particularly keen to go. I will definitely hop onto the web and book those tickets. Or maybe with a bit of luck we'll be able to import this to or export it to to uh, Cuba. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be sensational? I can just see you're welcomed by one of the Castro brothers right now for you. That'll be <laughs> terrific. Well, we've got to have expansive ideas, you know. Of well, course. one must dream big and out of the city of Stonington, so be it. I think that's an absolutely fabulous idea. And you're on Joy 94.9, and goodness gracious, it's 14 degrees outside. We've nearly made it to our um, expected top of 16 degrees. That little burst of summer has definitely gone into uh, hibernation. But uh, stay tuned and we'll be right back.
Joy 94.9 in the Escape Pod. And that was Jamai Kuba by Mongo Santa Maria from the album Our Man in Havana. So that certainly let, let us chase the Melbourne blues away. We got rid of those grey skies and we were just dancing along the Embacadero there in Havana. <laughs> God, fantastic on the way to the Nacional. I could be there in a heartbeat. We've got um, a very special guest in the escape pod this afternoon. We've got Councillor Claude Allen, who's also the Mayor of Stonington. But most importantly, he's the chairman of the Lyric Opera Company. Claude, you were going to talk and, and, and share a little bit about the other hat that you wear um, as the owner of of an Aboriginal art gallery and probably one of the longest-lasting Aboriginal art galleries in Melbourne. How did you get involved in Aboriginal art? Well, my family's been involved in the art business for, I can say, centuries. My daughter... Oh, tell us more. ...who is head of art at Lena Joles, uh, is a fifth-generation person in our family to be directly involved in art. And... My family were great collectors of just wonderful Impressionist paintings and very famous uh, German Expressionists and so on. So I've always had uh, art around me. Uh, My mother uh, founded the Gallery Guides in the National Gallery in Victoria. My goodness. So she was chairman of that for 10 years and an extraordinarily knowledgeable woman. In fact, she used to often... Uh, take me overseas and we would go from one gallery to the other and she would spend eight to ten hours going through galleries I was exhausted after two hours (laughs) but she knew every painting and every gallery and she knew their history she was absolutely remarkable woman I never really realized that probably until she passed away but um, she just was a very formidable and intelligent woman so I've had art with me all my life, and I originally started a movement... But there's uh, a big difference between the German Impressionists and Australian Indigenous art. Yes, well, I don't really... I I, I was an advertising agent originally, and I had a spare, uh, I suppose, spare room in my my gallery and I thought... uh, in my advertising agency, and I thought, oh, well, what am I going to do with that? And I thought it would be a good idea to show some art. And I started that by showing naive art, which is very innocent art. And uh, I was the only person doing that in Australia uh, because naive art in this country is not appreciated. Some of it's extraordinarily expensive overseas. But here, it's a bit of a a passion for some people, but not, not not for the many. But I hope it'll come back again because I no longer really work in naive art. But then I thought, I'd like to transfer it to something that was purely Australian, uh, and that was Aboriginal art. And in many ways, it has an association with naive art because it is extremely innocent and, and beautiful. And at that time, it was only really Gabriella Pizzi. Yes, which is a well-known yes, name. Yes, running her gallery and maybe a couple of others. Uh, and I thought here was an opportunity. Yes, I, I did think about it commercially, it's true. Uh, but I also loved it right from the start. 
And it started me... So was it the pieces of Namanjira that got to you or was it what, what people might consider as the dot painting series that... No, more of the dot paintings than the abs- abstractions. Abstracts, yeah. Which are, is what, what I really loved. But it, it gave me the inspiration to travel all around Australia, which was uh-huh. absolutely fascinating. And, you know, that in, in many ways was the best part of my life is that for 20 years I travelled throughout the length and breadth of Australia up in the northern areas. I went to all the remote communities. I learnt an absolute amazing amount of knowledge about Aboriginal life. And I, you know, I often wonder with our political masters if they'll ever understand Aboriginals. I don't believe they will. It just doesn't seem to gel with them at all. Even if they go for a week like our previous Prime Minister did, doesn't seem to really register what is required with the Aboriginal community. But it's a very difficult area, and I don't think anyone has those solutions, but the art is absolutely spectacular. And once again, we have this Australian inferiority complex about something that we do on our own that nobody else has in the world, uh, and they're really reluctant to really support it in the way many Americans have done and Germans and French in particular we are very slow to really recognise how wonderful Aboriginal art is and I, I think there'd be a lot of people that would be agreeing and, and nodding as they're doing their Saturday afternoon shopping and driving Claude um, how have you maintained your, your love for, for the art? How do you fuel the, the ongoing passion? Is it by m- meeting new artists or is it by um, continuing to collect in certain areas that other people don't see? First of all, it's my great belief in Aboriginal art. Uh, from a social point of view, it is really the only income they get in a lot of those remote communities uh, and it's very important to sustain them. And I, I, I don't understand... Uh, why these artists are so good. Uh, I've often asked them where do they get their stories from. Obviously, they're hereditary. But also, how they express it in, in paint is amazing. So these are the, the stories of the dream time? Yes. Yeah. And I think the very first time I flew over uh, anywhere in the Northern Territory, I began to understand more about Aboriginal art because they see it all vertically. They don't see it horizontally like we do. And when I flew over a lot of the land, I suddenly saw how their perspectives uh, are involved in, in what they paint. But the amazing thing again is... They've never been up they, in a plane. Yeah, they've never been in a plane to, to find out. It's just... <laughs> to be it, able to see it from above. I mean, it's just yes. absolutely wonderful. <clears throat> and... One artist explained it to me one day and I said, how do you come to the stories other than from a hereditary point of view? And they said, well, I just see when I'm thinking about what I want to paint, it just comes straight out of the top of my head. I think um, it's also the connection to the land, Claude, which um, my partner and I often debate and discuss. And there are times in my own life that... My partner says to me, you need to go back to Africa and just roll in the dust like the elephants do. Um, and I don't, I don't always know if he gets the, 
the connection that I have back with South Africa and the land. But I, I, I can certainly appreciate um, when Aboriginals talk about the connection to the land. I, I can certainly appreciate it. And I think a lot of the... Um, what I see in the artwork is about that connection with the land. Well, you're absolutely right. That is really the basis of of where their painting comes from and also their connection with all of the uh, fauna and and the animals that uh, they have lived with and hunted for absolute centuries. Uh, so that's been a very important aspect of, of what they do. But, you know, some of the earlier painters painted symbols more than they did the sort of abstract works that they do now or the dot paintings. And it's very interesting to see how that's evolved because, once again, none of these Aboriginal artists have uh, know anything about Picasso or Rembrandt or uh, any of the, gr- the great great artists of this world they, they don't read books on art it all just comes from the top of their head it's just as I say amazing now Claude we have had um, one of our listeners has SMSed in and of course people are very welcome uh, to do that or you can email us at onair at joy.org.au wanting to know did you pay the Aboriginal artists Yes, of of course I did. Uh, And look, this is a very interesting story because many of the journalists keep on saying, oh, you know, you rip off uh, Aboriginal artists. There certainly is an element of that, but it's not basically true because while you pay for a painting and it may not be an enormous cost, you also pay for their accommodation you pay for their food, you pay for their paint, you pay for their canvases. So uh, it's really a commissioning process. Yes, it is. And uh, people don't quite understand that either. But, uh, I mean, I, I've i paid many Aboriginal artists and not got the result. I haven't got the work back because uh, they're not very reliable. And if uh, someone dies within their community, suddenly they they're not doing anything and... You might have paid them three, four, five thousand dollars, and you, they, they, they go wandering around, and you don't get back to them. It's 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 quite a hazardous situation, and a lot of people don't understand that. I, I think generally, the art world treat Aboriginal artists pretty well. Thank you. It's good to Andre, you. What was you? You had a question that you were dying to. Um, I was. I did put my hand up. Um, I I thought for some of our listeners and for myself, I quickly Googled naive art, which is any form of visual art that is created by a person who lacks the formal education and training that a professional artist undergoes. Um, So just thought I'd throw that in there for our listeners people who wondered what naive art is and very very appropriate then Claude to say that um, Aboriginal art would fall under that category because there is no formal um, training that that they undergo well that's true I mean referring back to what I said originally why was my interest in Aboriginal art as well because it is innocent art uh, they're untrained artists they're not They've had no lessons of any of any kind, yes. and that was true of the naive artists as well. They were not trained artists; it, uh, they just did it as a hobby or 
because they they want to paint something and that's why a lot of their figures were stick figures and uh, not not in an impressionist way but some of them are absolutely delightful some of those pictures that they painted however what I say to your listeners is you should come and have a look at Aboriginal art a lot of people say oh, I, I, I can't buy any Aboriginal art because I don't understand it there's nothing to understand uh, it's just simple uh, and the stories are very logic, logical uh, and if um, this is a bit of a commercial. If they want to come <laughs> to my gallery in High Street, 913 High Street, Armadale, called High on Art, I'd be delighted to show them. And I might add that when I, I've been going for 25 years now, nearly 25 years, uh, when I started there were only maybe half a dozen Aboriginal galleries. Then it exploded to probably 40 or 50. Now it's back to maybe half a dozen. Yes, it, it's expanded and contracted. Mm-hmm. Well, you're on Joy 94.9 in the Escape Pod with our special guest this afternoon, Councillor Claude Allen, and we'll be right back. Looking for a gay CPA? Just above the Paran Market, Commercial Road Accounting can sort out all your tax and accounting needs. Call Joy sponsor Matt Anderson at Commercial Road Accounting, 9826 0999-9826-0999. Let's 
Joy 94.9 in the escape pod. And that, of course, was Guantanamela, but being performed by Carlos Santana, which I'm not sure if everybody's heard that version. Probably most people are familiar with the um, Celia Cruz version, but um, Santana can, well, he's a man of many talents. Um, in the escape pod today, we've got our special guest, uh, Councillor. Uh, goodness me, I'm so sorry, <clears throat> Councillor Claude Allen. Um, Claude, we haven't quite touched on yet your your travels, and you've been a little bit quiet about that. Is there a reason? Well, yes, I've been very fortunate that all my life I've been able to travel and enjoyed it immensely. But due to the fact that I have no kidneys, I'm on dialysis, and that's totally restricted my travel, even within Australia to some degree. It's hard for me to go anywhere because I have to have treatment three times a week. And also, it's very expensive uh, in countries that don't have a reciprocal arrangement with Australia. I mean, I'd love to go on a cruise because my son-in-law has... uh, (laughs) Well, Russ would love you to go on a cruise. He he is the biggest fan. I used to work on cruise ships and I highly recommend it. There we go, that's another fan. certainly the way to travel. Well, they have special... Uh, cruise ships with dialysis. They do. Uh, and I'm tempted to do that because I said my son in laws also uh, has a number of cruise about uh, operations and he could easily uh, uh, sort it out for me. But it's double the cost to any normal person getting onto a cruise boat. So that precludes me probably. Plus the fact that I really need someone travelling with me. Well, I'll go with you, Claude. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> Any day. So, <laughs> Do I have to pay? Uh, well, <laughs> no, I'll pay for myself. I'm such a cruise junkie that I... I don't know what my partner would say about that. Any opportunity and I'll, I'll be there. I'm packed tomorrow. Goodness, it really is a love or hate thing, these, these cruises, isn't it? You've either got to really embrace it and, and, and be on board, pardon the pun, or you just... <laughs> fly and drive and do your own thing? Well, I was very fortunate that when I was a 20-year-old, I took a ship to the UK. In those days, you went by boat, you didn't fly. And I think I was the boat that was the last one to go through the Suez Canal. Oh, wow. But I loved those four weeks on on board ship. Uh, It was like creating a new family. We all uh, spent a lot of time with each other. And when we went... uh, and got off the ship and uh, in England, uh, we kept in touch with each other. And even today, I still occasionally see someone I travelled with, and that's over 50 years ago. Isn't oh, that that's saying something about what travel can do for you? Absolutely. And, but and, and it's but you've raised a very interesting uh, topic though about um, travelling with um, a, a medical. Um, 
issue like dialysis. It it um, it's fine when you're home, but it's something different when you have to try and put all of those resources together in um, a different location and to make it even more challenging to make it in a, in a mobile location if, if you're wanting to do what most people do on their holidays, which is um, go abroad and maybe visit two or three places. And you, and you get no health insurance cover either. It's because you've got a pre-existing condition and mm. if anything else happens because of that, well... You're yes, not covered. you're on your own. Yeah. So you, you've, you've got to be, I guess, a bit gung-ho about it. But mind you, there are a number of people on dialysis that I do dialysis with who travel. Yep. Uh, one of my South African friends, he travels to Mumbai every year for a, two or three weeks. And I say, oh, what's it like? I said, I, I would be too frightened to go to India. I said, I'd be just concerned about the whole medical situation. He says, you know, Claude, it's actually better than here. Well, there's a lot of doctors in India. Mm. And Mumbai is a great destination as well. Does does he travel by ship, Claude, or does he fly there? He flies there. Yes. Yes. We don't really have anything direct, I think, from Melbourne to India on the cruise. It's just that I'm a bit of a chicken, you know, because you can pick up infections and all sorts of things like that, which can set you back quite a lot. So... I've got so many things I still have to do in life that Sounds like you I can't keep yourself very busy here in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why I asked about the cruise ship days because um, I was on a world cruise that passed via Australia and then we um, went up Bali and Vietnam and then all the way um, around the east and then we ended up at, um, oh, at in, India, in, India. In, the wow. south, in the south of India initially, Goa and Cochin and then Mumbai and then further up um, the Suez and through to the Med. So an expensive way to go, <laughs> but an amazing way to go. Oh, but travelling is so fantastic, really. It's, it opens your eyes to so much more in the world and it's just an absolute thrill to go and see, particularly in Europe, all the historical places that, that you read about when you're probably a teenager at school and, and so on. And just meeting people from other areas is really inspiring, I find, at, at times. And it just, just broadens your whole attitude to everything. Absolutely. Well, that's what we believe on the escape pod. That's why we keep saying to people, go out there and, and travel. But I, I think we might have to do a show on, on travelling with um, an, an illness, particularly where you have to deal with things like the possibility of, of infection and things in, in different locations. I think you've given us a, an idea for a show because there's got to be more than yourself out there um, dealing with this issue, Claude. You can't be alone. And look, again, I came from a family that did uh, travel extensively. Uh, My mother, because she was born probably 15 years after her two older sisters, travelled a lot with her father who travelled all around Europe. And she always said as a a young girl, she was just so enabled to uh, travel to so many places. And they were very fortunate. They were very wealthy people. They could afford to go... In, I suppose, Sounds like they spent reasonably the, luxurious circumstances. They spent the inheritance on you, Claude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a little bit more than that. I mean, unfortunately, they were they were victims of a Holocaust, so um, couldn't stay in their their beloved Germany. 
No, I've, I've got to tell you, my parents who really lived here now, or did for nearly 50 years after they left Europe, uh, just love this country so much. My father never went back to Germany. He said, this is a God's gift to everybody, this country. Isn't that fascinating? And did he travel And my mother, who loved to travel and did travel a lot, she said, I'd never want to live anywhere else but here. Well, that's an amazing um, endorsement of what it's like to live in Melbourne. And they were so steeped in centuries of, of European ancestry. Yes. Mm. Well, it's, it's a different story, isn't it, when it's taken Absolutely. away? You're on Joy 94.9 in the Escape Pod. Joy 94.9 is proud to support this community message. The Victorian Government LGBTI Community Grants Program has been established to foster the development of a sustainable and skilled LGBTI community sector in Victoria. The grants program consists of two funding streams, one for individual leaders and the other for organisations. The expression of interest process is now open. Please go to www.vic.gov.au forward slash equality for more information. A Joy Community Service message. Let me tell you something What a woman wants to see Burn back Mr. I know everything But it's what you In a fantasy, what a man! What a woman wants, what a man! A muscle to clutch, what a man! Just a tender touch, you don't get out too much. To know the smoothness of her skin with a gentle caress, feel the feathery quality of her dress. Like me, I'm a reflection, her protection, I'm her curious mystery. What a man, what a woman, what a man, what a woman, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a woman, what a man, what a woman, what a man, what a man, what a woman, what a man. Come on, we all know what a bird really wants is a rock solid. You're on Joy 94.9, and that, of course, was What a Woman Wants, one of the tracks out of the Kinky Boots uh, Broadway cast recording with Billy Porter singing there. So that, that's, that's um, coming on soon, I think, in town. Kinky Boots is getting another run. 
So it's another another good live show to see while we're talking about live shows today, such as Our Man in Havana, which is brought to us by um, the Lyric Opera. And we have our special guest in the Escape Pod this afternoon, Councillor Claude Allen, who, of course, is the chairman of the Lyric Opera. So we have been talking about all things Our Man in Havana. But, Claude, this is the time of the show when we normally get from people their, their travel tips and... And and you just let one sort of slip by there during listening to that Kinky Boots track. Would you like to repeat it for everybody for us? Of course. Uh, I love Italy the best of anywhere in Europe, and and absolute New York is another one of my really favourite places that I've been to many times. But of any travels I've ever made, the best is in Australia. Going up north and travelling through the northern part of Australia is just mind-boggling. I can't tell you the wonderful experiences you have, even spiritual ones. I have slept outside in the outback with no one around me and the stillness and watching the stars and so on uh, in a tent, etc. is just fabulous. Uh, I can't describe it to you. Plus what you see, the, the land is at times very forbidding but fascinating Uh, and of course going to uh, remote communities wherever you can because you can't go to all of them is just again an experience that you know no one gets anywhere else in the world so I would tell everybody (laughs) go north and come to Stonington as well (laughs) uh, to see all our wonderful arts events and so on it's a great city That's a great tip. And Andre, have you got any tips that you've been thinking of in the last week? (laughs) I I need to echo um, what Claude said because I am a stunning, stunning Tonian. I don't know how you would say that, but we we certainly do have fantastic art and um, food and and all sorts of things in our area. Um, So do come to Stunnington. My travel tips um, are if you... If you have to fly, fly with a repeatable airline. I have been caught out in my life where I have travelled with airlines that don't travel that frequently and it it has cost me dearly. Um, I do like to pre-book my seat um, for a few extra bucks. I think it's certainly worth it. And I personally, I prefer the aisle seat so that I can get up and come back to my seat whenever I like without asking the person next to me to please get up and... Um, sometimes disturb their sleep. So, um, yes, that's, those are my travel tips. And, Joe, can I just finally say, travel to Havana by coming to a man <laughs> in Havana because that will also be absolutely fascinating. Begins the 17th of September, four performances at the Athenaeum running to the 24th. My goodness, you've just managed to get a plug-in every which way. Doesn't he? Oh, dear me. Just as well we love opera in the escape pod. Of course. Because it is, it is one of those, um, I think, performing arts that, that do let you get carried away. Every one of your senses is, is filled and um, you, you just uh, instant as soon as the lights go down and um, those stage lights go up, you're, you're somewhere else. You know, you, you can't help but be transported. Yes. So it, it really is um, a very effective way to fly to Havana, would be via Stonington, I think. 
because <laughs> it is a long trip no matter which way you cut it from down here in Melbourne. You've been listening to the Escape Pod this afternoon. It's still 14 degrees, so I think we can kiss that 16 degrees goodbye. This is probably about as good as it's going to get this afternoon, but we might see a little bit more sunshine tomorrow. And we've had our special guest in the Escape Pod, Councillor Claude Allen. We'd like to thank you so much for sharing not only the um, uh, upcoming Man in, in Havana um, performances that are going on, but also your your journey with the arts and, um, you know, travelling from a different perspective. Well, thank I you so much also, Joe and Andre. really interesting. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, thank, thank you so much. And, Andre, are you going to join us again next week? You're becoming a bit of a, a skate pod musketeer. I am. And we do send our warmest, warmest wishes to Russ, who, who is, um, I think he has more than man flu. I think he has flu flu. So we've kept him out of the studio Poor to um, maintain the, uh, the health of the rest of the station. Good so idea. <laughs> we do hope that he gets well soon because I, I know he's got a busy week ahead next week. You're on Joy 94.9. You're on Joy 94.9 in the Escape Pod. And we can definitely say, please do not go anywhere at all because um, it's Saturday evening and afternoon on Joy. And that means that we've got Checkpoint, of course, are coming up with Luke, who's going to no doubt navigate us through the world of gaming and, and the latest things that have happened. Because while opera could be political, there's no doubt that gaming is too. We've then got um, Pets Allowed with Kevin, Oz, Kate and Alan. And that, of course, is the show that even Gibson wakes up for. Um, then we've got S-A-S-S, which has got Aaron and independent music, followed by A Touch of Pink. So while you're getting ready to put your glad bags on for a Saturday night, you don't want to be doing anything else other than listening to Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.